The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Good morning, everybody. Hello, Boston. Happy spring. Is it spring yet? Not quite, right? Is it spring? Yes, it is. Yeah, you could talk, Frank. <laughs> when, did I just miss the first day of spring? As of 5.58 p.m. last night. As of, Is that right? Well, I'm glad I brought it up then. And thank you to my guest, Frank Rudowitz of uh, Bloom Shapiro for bringing that up. Well done, Frank, and welcome to the show. Thanks, David. So... <laughs> So this is the Boston Podcast, uh, the voices of your city, the stories of your city, and the podcast you could tune into every morning, Monday through Friday, to find out what you should be listening and listening to and watching on TV and talking about in your city, just all that good stuff. And this is a treat to have Frank here because we're going, going back, this is podcast history. So this show was, used to be called Unbillable Boston. Terrible name. Glad we changed it. Um, That's my practice sometimes. Unbillable? Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know you're in trouble when you're uh, logging all those unbillable hours. But um, we had you on the show, and we had a lot of fun. Frank and I were just listening to a little of it. It's it's, it's still in the archives. If you go to iTunes, search for Pod 617 and the Boston Podcast. And that was (laughs) four years ago. Four years ago, um, but it, do- it doesn't seem like that long ago, right? Not at all. Yeah, and uh, we talked about what he did, and we talked, and then we started talking TV, and we started talking about Barney Miller, and and it just devolved from there. But it was a lot of fun. So he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Frank is back. Frank is the managing partner of litigation and valuation at Bloom Shapiro, a relatively new position for you, right? Uh, How as long have you been? Of, on? It's been two months now. Just two months. Okay. And enjoying it so far? It's fantastic. It's a, a welcome change, both from culture and the excitement and challenge of the uh, the new place. Now, I've known Frank forever. Frank is a former cop. Frank is a former lawyer. He's turned his back on many things and yet keeps marching forward. And he's and Frank is the type of guy that you should know. And so I'm going to tell – can I give people your email address while, we're, while we're on the subject? So it's F. Rudowitz. The spelling is key here. F-R-U-D-E-W-I-C-Z. At bloomshapiro.com. Bloom is just B-L-U-M. Shapiro, typical spelling. I don't have to spell everything for you people for crying out loud. F. Rudowitz at bloomshapiro.com. Frank knows everyone in town. He simply does. And time does not permit us to get into all the great stories of your past. Yeah, you famously, do you still carry around that old ID of you undercover? Do I have that right? Or? Uh, absolutely. I, <laughs> I have that just to show family, friends, and anybody who uh, won't believe that I used to have hair. So, <laughs> so you have hair in it. And is, is it an actual, I don't want to use the term fake ID, it was a, uh, like a subterfuge, uh, undercover ID, right? Yeah, there was a period of time where I was uh, had a new identity <clears throat> with a new driver's license, new social security number, credit cards, and the like, and I did a deep undercover for several years in Connecticut. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, the drug trade you were investigating? Or? No, actually, it was. Uh, I opened up a business in New Haven, Connecticut, and bought stolen goods for a period really? of about two years. And anybody that came into my shop was audio and video taped. 
Really? Uh, we wow. so we thought a, it was organized crime involved um, with the drug trade and possibly some government corruption. Uh, so it was a deep undercover in the sense that only a handful of people in the city and in the state knew what we were doing. So it was like a, a pawn shop. Like pawn what, shop, exactly. Okay, pawn shop. And people would come in and, like, how do you know whether it's stolen or not? Or is it painfully obvious? Uh, most of the time it's painfully obvious. <laughs> uh, other times people would come in and sell their own things um, because they needed the money. Right. Um, and we had to uh, delicately try to turn them away because we didn't want to buy legitimate things. Right. Oh, my God, that's funny. Anything weird? Any, Or is it mostly like, you know, stereo equipment and camcorders, I guess, back then, right? Uh, back then, but we bought uh, 45 uh, stolen cars, uh, brand new cars, some of them right off the lot. Right. Um, and the most we paid for a vehicle at that time was $300. Uh, we bought guns, we bought videotapes, and a lot of stolen checks and credit cards. Yikes. Did you enjoy the? Did you look back on that fondly? Like it was oh, exciting, I, it was interesting? I still have copies of all the tapes. I made copies really? of it. And one of my favorite stories was a guy came in, and I had a partner, there was two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy came in the shop, and he's looking around. And we had hidden cameras around, and we had um, pictures and, and such on the walls at certain heights so we can help identify how tall people yeah. were. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. So he's looking around like he's really scoping it out. And yeah. I get mad. I said, you know. What the F are you looking at? <laughs> and he says, no, 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 don't don't take it personally. He says, I was watching this movie called Hot Stuff with Dom DeLuise last <laughs> night. And he says, it looked just like this place. <laughs> I remember that movie. Was he? <clears throat> what, did he run a pawn shop? Yes, he yeah. ran a pawn shop, and they, they were buying stolen goods, That's, and everything was videotaped. <clears throat> hence the name, Hot Stuff. Nothing is safe when undercover cops start buying hot stuff. You want the police to buy stolen goods? So, hold on to your hat, your car, your motorcycle, your electric guitar, your fish, and your sense of humor. Because it's Don DeLuise and the maddest caper ever pulled by cops. Hot stuff. Rated PG. Of course, yeah. That's so funny. Um, And... So it's like doubly ironic because whoever designed your phony shop may have been inspired by hot stuff himself. I mean, who knows? That's that's funny. So um, these days, if if it happened now, I guess you'd have to do it online, right? I mean, I imagine there are sting operations online to buy uh, f- stolen goods, right? Oh yes, and yeah. there's um, online, and we do. Uh, we've done a number of these uh, types of investigations. It's usually um, counterfeit products, mm-hmm. so it might be a you know a manufacturer that knows that someone's uh, has these knockoffs and they're selling them online. Sounds like a lot of the shit that I buy online. There you go. <laughs> like I tried to buy a, I did buy a uh, digital uh, clock kind of thing slash timer for the studio here. At our pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. By the way, do you like the place? I love the place. First for, first time here. Um, so, and uh, so it's, it's you know, you hang it on the wall, it's digital, and you can use a remote control to, to change it so I can see, like, how long this show has been going and things like that. So I got it, and after, um, it looked fine online, good reviews and all that, and then I got it, the, the remote control stopped working after about 10 minutes. So I'm pissed off, so I emailed the manufacturer, it was somewhere in Korea, I think, and um, they send me a new remote, which takes like 30 days, and then the new remote doesn't work. And I'm pissed! Hmm. And then actually, the irony was, I, I went to plug it in after that, and the, the entire clock doesn't work. So that was definitely a knockoff of something it's um it must be a hard thing to police because when you you know when you're buying something online 
to me, there's a lot of sometimes uh, even like through Amazon, Amazon works with all these outside vendors, and it's 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 always kind of mysterious as to where the product is actually coming from. Yes, and sometimes if it's not a knockoff, it might be something that has been taken from the company uh, illegally and right. then being sold uh, yeah. through third parties. Yeah, yeah. This was not a fine product. I need a new one. Anyway, so uh, give us an idea of the kind of stuff that you do now. So litigation and valuation, that's the boring version of how we describe what you do. But I know you do some cool, <laughs> some cool stuff. So tell me what you do. Well, on the valuation side, my team uh, does anything about um, valuing assets. Uh, it could be for a gift and estate purpose. It could be for litigation. It could be a shareholder dispute. And it's valuing businesses. Uh, uh, intellectual property, businesses, things like that. We don't do any valuation of real estate proper. Um, that will be an appraiser, and we bring somebody on in that. But that's the traditional side. So a lawyer has a lawsuit, and in dispute is a company or a what? A yacht or something, or it could be anything. Could be anything. Could be the business. Could be somebody retiring and wants to get their buyout. Okay. Uh, and oftentimes it comes up in divorce. Uh, it's a family sure. business, and you um, uh, have to split the assets. In fact, I am uh, putting on with a uh, friend, um, Nora Youssef, who you know. Sure. Uh, Shout out to Nora Youssef, uh, awesome financial advisor. Uh, on April 23rd, we're having a cocktail um, uh, networking for family law attorneys, and we are calling it uh, – it's going to be a short presentation, but we're calling it When Cupid is Stupid – <laughs> Divorce financial know-how know for family law attorneys. I love it. You get the rim shot for Cupid is stupid. Um, so, so, right now, meanwhile, when, when I got when I got divorced, it was easy. I got the you know I got the video games and the imported beer collection, and my wife got everything else. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, fair was fair. fair, quite, was fair. quite frankly, fair. There, was, there wasn't a lot to split up. And by the way, we're still on good terms. I hope if she's listening to this. Uh, so, and um, and you still seem to be enjoying yourself. Your, your, yeah, your career so. is as twists and turns. I've known you through like uh, three or four different companies you work for, but um, not to mention your sordid past. No, I'm just kidding. Your very accomplished past and all that undercover stuff. You're still enjoying yourself. I am. the The other part of the litigation practice and information practice which is, I believe I'm in the information business. What information do you need? We can figure out a way to get it. Mm -hmm. And whether that means for a, a business deal or a litigation uh, or forensic, so if the information is going to come out of the dark web or a computer forensic analysis or analysis of, of books and records, that's where we can apply the talent. That's interesting. So it seems like it, it calls upon a lot of the skills of your past. It doesn't hurt to have the legal background, the the kind of hardcore like gumshoe uh, private investigator kind of stuff, and then the you know also the sort of professional valuation and stuff from your exactly it, okay. It's a it's a can wrap I be up. your can I be your agent? <laughs> As somebody uh, once said, um, uh, one of my values is I know the guy who knows the guy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seem so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found 
the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name, Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod617.com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. One thing I wanted to, to ask you, just kind of thinking yeah. about the whole Frank Rudowitz experience is... Um, what uh, I want to say, what is it? What is your secret, Frank? Well, because if you know Frank, as I said before, he knows everybody. You, um, you're a skilled networker. I'm sure people tell you that a lot. Occasionally, people tell me, but they probably tell you more <laughs> more often. Um, and it's uh, we were just talking about this before the show. It, it's a it's a combination of things. It's staying in touch with people. It's having the right touch. It doesn't hurt to be a nice guy like yourself. Uh, it doesn't hurt to be able to spin a yarn and and uh, you know engage people. If you had to give a couple keys to to how you've built your your network and everything, what would they be? Well, I think one of the first things for um, uh, if you're going to be in that type of business, um, you have to like people. Yeah, there are people that are good in their small circles, but they're not really they don't really enjoy the you know the interaction of strangers and others. Um, yeah, and I think that's a that's a key component because it comes across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing how many people miss the boat and think that you can take the shortcut. Do you ever get invitations on LinkedIn from people you've never heard of? Absolutely. Yeah, and what what do you think when when that happens? What do you say to yourself? Like, what I I look at the background, and what I usually do is um, find their contact and and make a call to them mm-hmm. and and ask, "How did you get my name?" Do you really? Well, I do. <laughs> wow. And if they don't take the call, uh, obviously, then we're not. Um, I'm not accepting the invite. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like to look at their, our mutual connections, but many of them, and you get them the same. Yeah. It's just people trying to get get to the five hundred number or the thousand number with no real um, strategy behind it. Yeah, it's the equivalent to back in the day when um, when I was getting out of college or getting out of law school. People would send five hundred letters out to firms with a cover letter and a resume, and it's amazing that this happened because. People saw it as the tried and true formula to get some job interviews and eventually get a job. It didn't work. And it was the biggest waste of paper in the history of paper. Like it, it just uh, – and the only thing it did – and then the weird thing was uh, most of the law firms took the time to write a rejection letter back to you. It's like it, – and there's barely a human involved. It's like someone sees it and spits out the form and, sorry, you got rejected. In college, we had an entire wall of ding letters yep. and uh, – and that was a contest, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> see who can fill up their wall first. But, but with the LinkedIn, that's that the LinkedIn. Some people, I think, that oh, LinkedIn is great. I'm going to send out 500 invites today. It's like, no. Like, if you want to meet somebody, find somebody that knows them. It's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Or if you want a cold call, you can do it. But but give a little personal touch. You know, did. Dear Frank, I know you don't know me, but you're the type of person I'd really like to to get to know. I'd love to maybe pick your brain a little bit over a cup of coffee. You're not going to say no to that, right? No, absolutely not. Or you're going to ask saying, I see that we have a mutual connection in David. Yes, how right. do you know David? Yeah. And if they don't know David, then why why am I connected then? Right, right. Yeah, I remember in training at the firm Alliance Bernstein, 
um, I, it's coming back to me now. This guy Brian was a very good networker. He was coaching us up, and he he said pretty much what <laughs> what you said with a little bit more foul language. He, he said he said when someone gives me a blind LinkedIn. If I sort of like the background, I'll shoot back. I'll say, hey, let's get a cup of coffee and talk about how we can help each other. And if they don't get back to me, it's like, why the fuck did you want to link it with me in the first place? Like, what's going on? I mean, I just got one the other day from some random from some random guy running this um, company called like the Billion Dollar Club or something. And he sends me a blind invite. And at first I ignore it. And, and then he sends another one. And so I'm like, I'll oh, take a look at what this is, what the hell. And it's one of these sort of Tony Robbins-ish like groups, like get together and learn how it was all men, which is a little creepy. And and so um, then he pulls the uh, the third one I get from him says, Dave, hi, Dave, just making sure you got this last one. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, I don't know you. Like, I have no idea who you are. Um, anyway, so. Well, and, and because of my background and what I do now, you know, um, I'm skeptical at times because sure. there's a lot of fraud um, in companies uh, that have uh, gone started through dating sites. And LinkedIn is a business dating site. Of, of, yeah. Of yeah. And what they do is they exploit the information that they get because you've linked with them and you've, and you've now shared some things. Mm-hmm. So without knowing their real background or what their intentions are, mm-hmm. why, why get involved? There is a, a TV show on, um, I believe it's on Netflix, contractually obligated to play the sound effect every time we say Netflix. They're a great sponsor. Just kidding. They're not a sponsor. You could be Netflix, <laughs> spending money on everything else. Um, and I believe the show is called You. It's just called You, the, like, you know, me, you. Um, and it's about a, a guy who's, you meet the sort of main character and he's got a crush on this girl and you sort of rooting for the guy and then you realize this guy is the worst stalker and the, uh, the worst kind of stalker in the world he through a series of events he gets possession of her phone and he's able to clone the phone or maybe he just keeps the phone and like she gets a new one but he, she's still signed into the phone so he knows everything about her he can send messages pretending to be her uh-huh. and it is a creepy peek into what yep. can be done uh-huh. i mean is that is that um have we created uh, just the hugest nightmare <laughs> because of because we're all so too familiar with putting our info out there? Absolutely. And because of what they call the Internet of Things, everything's connected. Yeah. Your iPhone's connected to your iPad. Your iPad's connected to your other computers. And once they're into one, they're into all of it. You're a good person to ask about this. Are these rumors true about how you could be, you know, have your just phone on the table and be talking about cat food for a couple of days and then you start seeing cat food ads on your Facebook feed? You do. Uh, if you go on Facebook, absolutely. And yeah. There are, and there's some... Now, they shouldn't be actually listening, though, when the phone is idle, it's right? It's illegal, but right. it doesn't mean that it's not done. Yeah. Uh, and and we, Alexa's listening to everything. I right. mean, <laughs> no, I mean, she really is because she has to. She's waiting for her name, but yep. in the meantime, she's like, she could be recording shit, right? Yep. That's crazy. Or as, as many... Um, in every uh, corporation now, when you get your laptop, they give you a, a small uh, placard, if you will, that covers up the camera. Yeah. Because they're afraid of IT or others or accidentally turning that camera on, which is video and sometimes audio. Yeah. That's even scarier. People oh, yes. could just be watching you. They could be I'm look, I don't have a thing on my uh, – you know what? I'm going to wave to the uh, NSA or whoever. Hey, guys. <laughs> um you know, I get a kick out of the people that sell those plastic things yes, that go yes. on this because you know what? I could have used a sticky note, but hey, thanks. I'll pay you know four fifty. And that. every everybody that runs a legitimate company like um, ours and, and my former firm, 
the uh, chief information officer always gets a kick out of it. They'll never actually deny or say that we're not doing it because they want people to think they are. Yeah. <laughs> but <yeah>. they're not. <laughs> well, right. Which is the, the threat of it is, is maybe just as powerful, right? <laughs> so there's this documentary called The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And you, you might have heard of this woman. Her name's Elizabeth Holmes. She founded this company, which was a blood testing company. I forget what it was called. But anyway, um, and it turns out she she keeps, you would find it very interesting in particular because she keeps inflating the value of the company based on sort of idle promises and somehow persuades all these millionaires to invest all kinds of money. And it turns out the technology really wasn't quite there. She wanted to put these machines into Walgreens that you go into a Walgreen and you just get a finger prick and they tell you all kinds of things about whether you have cancer or something. I don't know all the details, but it was, she really overpromised. And the reason I bring it up is because towards the end, she start, people started, there were cracks in the armor and people started figuring out what was going on. Right. And she started getting paranoid. She's a very uh, compelling, intense, kind of weird person. But <clears throat> so they interview people who are employees and it's like, I knew something was wrong when I'd send emails to just one other person in the office and she would respond. <laughs> She's responding to the email that wasn't addressed to her and wasn't forwarded to her. So she was reading everything. And they they use the the term keystroking. Yeah. I, I felt that was being keystroked. So yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. So that means every time you push a, a button on that computer, they know what key it is, and yeah. they can figure out what you're typing out. Oh, sweet lord, we're all gonna die. One, one of the uh, a fascinating uh, or a, a fun exercise that you could do is, uh, I like to watch old movies. If you watch some of the old movies, the old James Bond movies, somebody even before that, Alfred Hitchcock and others, sure. and you see some of the old uh, way back when surveillance and new technology equipment yeah. that now is in place. Oh, really? Like the James Bond yes. stuff that we, that was always my favorite part oh, of the James absolutely. Bond movies when he the goes. Watch, in, the watch, yeah. the rings. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, extendable cord that he pulls out of his watch <laughs> and then uses to like rappel down a mountain or something. Yeah. Um, so right, so they anticipated. Well, they definitely anticipated the you know the watch the the watch the watch the Dick Tracy watch the yes. Dick Tracy watch. It yeah. does exist, yeah. although not really popular. But um, the iPhone for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the I remember in the movie, I think it's Demolition Man, terrible movie, but but um, they were doing the TV phone thing. So you click on the TV and somebody calls. And then there was a goof, like a wrong number. There was a woman in a towel. Like, oh, I got the wrong number, you know. So, but that, all that stuff happens now, you know. But, and you think just watching old reruns of uh, the early Seinfeld episodes with the big house phones with the at the pull the antenna out. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it it is weird how it's changed popular culture. Oh my gosh! Because um, sometimes I'll be watching. I was just watching Mad Men with uh, my girlfriend the other night, and. Um, you know, Don is calling one of his little cuties that he probably shouldn't be calling. And, and so, and he calls from his hotel room and she picks up in her bedroom. And as soon as they did that, I said to myself, God, I can almost barely remember the days where if you wanted to talk on the phone, you had to be right next to that landline yeah, or someone absolutely. at the, or someone at the, you know, your mom, you know, screams from two floors above, you know, Dave, you got a phone call, you know, and you got to go all the way up and get it. And so, you know, every depiction of it in film and movies and now you see more movies and TV where there are these little cutaways to what you see on a person's phone yes. because that's how much of a bigger part of our life it is. Oh, man. Which, which opens up many doors in my world on the capturing of information or the forensic analysis of information. Right.
Right. And, and it's because anytime you need to track something down, people there's a digital history, right? There's, there's some digital history because you've talked to somebody. So if I don't have access to your phone, I want to find out about what you've been doing, but I don't have access to your phone for whatever reasons, uh, legally or otherwise, you've already talked to somebody else. I got to find that other person, right. and they're going to have some digital remnants uh, of that. I love it. We could talk all day about this stuff, and I'm going to have you back on the show, Frank. I want you to be a regular contributor because I know for that um, – I want to hear more about that um, – Frank talk on forensics. Frank, <laughs> Frank talk on forensics and everything else. <laughs> that that you, when you the, the undercover gig that you did in Connecticut, that was the, the days before a reality show. That could have been a reality show. In we, fact, there are reality shows just like that we, now, right? There, there are. And yeah. we had uh, – I was fortunate enough to – I did one undercover of that where I um, I was the undercover. We then took that project and moved it into Hartford, Connecticut, where I you know, was a, a cop, mm-hmm. and I ran it from behind the scenes. But I have those videotapes as well. Oh, and wow. we, we enhanced what we did on those, and you know, some of the comments from there were, are hilarious when you see. And mm-hmm. out of two projects, um, and every time somebody came into the shop, the door would be locked. You had to be buzzed in, so the door would be locked behind it. Mm-hmm. And on, on the second project. I was actually going to law school at the time. So I'd always be thinking about what are the legal issues here? And I'd right. bring them up at class saying, yeah. you know, are we entrapping because we have suspects that can't get out? Right. Um, but only one person went to trial out of 90 people arrested. Wow. And his defense with the public defender was, um, to the chagrin of the public defender, um, I knew these undercover were cops and I was bringing this stolen property so that they could take it to the rightful owner. <laughs> I'm sure that held up well in court. Well, 18 years he did. <laughs> yeah. Before we leave this topic, if there's a quick answer to this, I'll take it. If not, then uh, question for another day. Why were the in the Bob Kraft case, right? Why are the cops allowed to videotape people with, without their knowledge, or are they? Or, well, or do you have even a theory on that? Like why? No, they they got a court order. Okay, uh, so they you, had information prior to, so they had to go to court. And get a and then you uh, like probable cause yes to, okay and so then, they had to um, show cause of why they uh, traditional surveillance or traditional police methods would not work to get the okay. information that's why they got the surveillance equipment good good answer people you ask me they're like Dave you're a lawyer I'm like eh, practiced in a long time it's like what and I my first gut reaction was you you can't in general you can't so without a court order you can't you have to videotape someone order. without their knowledge yeah all right so in, in a private setting public setting. Right. No, no expectation of privacy. Uh, in those massage parlors, hopefully there's an expectation of privacy. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? The was I and, and the am I entertained? Can I start that again? Sorry. <laughs> am I entertained? I did it again. <laughs> Dumbass. Are you entertained? Ah! All right, sorry, sorry. It's Ed Nathanson. I'm here to give you the podcast that I've always wanted to do. That's talking about movies. That's talking about music, sports, pop culture. That's talking to some of the best people in employer branding around the world. Are you not entertained? Can I start that again? Well, you may not know this, Frank, but it's baseball season already. I was just watching a game this morning. Did you you know there was a game this morning um, in Japan? Uh, Mariners and uh, the other team. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Who the heck was it? Oh, the A's. The Mariners and the A's. And it was kind of Ichiro's homecoming because he's playing for the Mariners now. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, almost as old as I am. And uh, he drew a walk. It was very exciting. <laughs> but I know we've, you and I have been to games together. We've talked baseball. We're old-time baseball farts. And so I thought you'd have some fun with this game. So um, this is called uh, Burning Questions. I'm going to fire some baseball-related questions at you. So let's do Burning Questions. Just one more thing. I have a riddle for you. Answer the question. You might have uh, noticed a very famous fictional private investigator in that sound sting. Did you? Columbo was in there. You're looking at me like it's obvious, right? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Very simple. When it comes to baseball, which of these things are um, overrated, which would be... That's the overrated sound. You know what? That's going to get old really quickly, so we'll see. I'll use that judiciously. It's overrated. Even the sound is overrated. Underrated, which means we want to give it a up or or kind of properly rated, which is just like, eh, you know, golf clap. And like, eh. All right, so here we go. Um, We'll start you off with an easy one. Fenway Franks. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Properly rated. Properly rated, but good. Uh, good until last year. What happened? They changed from Golden's Mustard to Yellow Mustard. Oh. Did they really? They did. Oh, my they God. They changed the sponsorship, so. That's that's sacrilege. That's that's a crime against humanity. I can't have Yellow Mustard. So what you do, what do you is do? you hit any deli in Boston, scoop up those packets when you buy a sandwich, yeah. and you bring them into Fenway. <laughs> It reminds me, when I was in the second grade, I, I'll never forget this. My I told my mom, yeah, there's hot dogs tomorrow for lunch, mom, but they don't give you uh, ketchup. They just give you mustard. And back in those days, I was a strange kid. I wanted just ketchup on my hot dog. So my mom gave me a, a packet. So I put it in my pocket, and everything worked out nicely, put the ketchup on my hot dog. But in my uh, second grade brain, I thought, well, there's still a little left in this packet, so I should save it. So I, should, I put it back in my pocket, and I come home, and it's a complete mess. <laughs> my, my mom thought I had some mortal wound in the hip region. Uh, bleacher seats, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Overrated. Overrated. You'd, it w- Would the uh, 21-year-old Frank Ruitz have said underrated? No, it would have been underrated. <laughs> <laughs> or overrated or good. would have been absolutely good. Uh, the knuckleball. The knuckleball. The knuckleball. Overrated, underrated, or just kind of eh? I, I think uh, I, my would be eh, but almost eh. tend to be overrated. Overrated. Yeah. Why? Because it's a g- gimmick? You know? Yeah, it's a gimmick. Uh, okay. It, it's, it is that. Um, it's also uh, fascinating. Um, for the few that can master it, absolutely. For the few that can master it. It is strange. It is, as they say, a fickle beast. Um, Tim Wakefield used to say he really doesn't know where it's going to go after it leaves him. It's one of the weirdest things in sport. There, I don't think there's another um, comparison you can make to anything else in sport. You certainly can't throw a knuckleball in football, although Johnny Manziel has thrown plenty of them. But but the knuckleball, and it, it is also maybe the only way that, uh, well, I shouldn't say this uh, so uh, so definitively, but a female could make Major League Baseball. Because why? A knuckleball. Right. Why couldn't a female throw uh, a knuckleball? Right. I think she could. All right. Um, baseball analytics. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I think overrated, and that's probably personal. It's, yeah. It takes some purity out of the game. It's just sure. hit the ball. Yeah. 
It got to an extreme in the World Series last year. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I felt they didn't make a big enough deal of it. During a, a pitching change, a, an assistant coach like ran onto the field and gave the Dodgers cards, little laminated cards uh, for positioning. And it and uh, there was justice because so Yasiel Puig reads his little card and he backs up and one of our hitters proceeds to bloop a single right in before him. But like... This is where we're at. Like, oh my God, I'm but, with you. But I, I will say the one of the base, probably the, the first baseball analytic um, experience that that I had mm-hmm. was back through high school. There was a game called Sports Illustrated Baseball Game, right? And they made a version that was the Sports Illustrated All Time All Star for each team. Mm-hmm. And it was just a score sheet of, you know, you, you'd have, you know, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and the all-time Yankees. This is out of the Stratomatic mold, but, yeah. but a little different. But yeah, okay. he had dice, right. and each, um, depending on how they were, um, so Babe Ruth, if you roll the dice, the more common rolls, like a six or a seven or something like that, would be home runs for right. him. Right, so they so all they, had a different they card. They actually did analytics on each player to see what numbers on the dice would be more probable or show... The, the probability of hitting a home run as opposed to a uh, a Mark Belanger who never yep. hits a home run. <laughs> he, he would be his number for a home run would be eleven, where yep. Babe Ruth would be a you know a six. <laughs> We're both showing our age by knowing who Mark Belanger is. He, it, all all field no hit. Those players don't exist anymore. No. Really, I don't think. No. I mean, Ozzie Smith might have been the last, and even Ozzie, he could steal a base. He could maybe hit three hundred. Belanger just. The glove. Eddie Brinkman, same one. It, I don't know him. Who's Eddie Brinkman? Now you're going same as same as Mark Belanger. Same as Mark Belanger. I remember reading a book that I was fascinated with. It was called The 100. It was like the best 100 players in baseball, and Willie Mays was ranked number first at the time, which no one seemed to disagree with. But Mark Belanger made the list, and I think it was kind of gimmicky. He threw it in there because, well, best short, best fielding shortstop of all time. Who's the best fielding shortstop uh, you've ever seen? Well, I saw Mark Belanger. You put him up there. Yep. I like uh, Alex Gonzalez. Um, the, the one year he spent with the Red Sox, there were plays when the ball was hit, and, and just in your sort of baseball brand, you said there's no way he makes that play, and then somehow he, got the- he makes that play. All right, next item, stolen bases. Overrated? Underrated? Underrated. Un- you like a steal? I like a steal. You like the- It's exciting. Everybody, yeah. when you see it happening and... You know, uh, you you go back to uh, uh, Davey Lopes when he, uh, with the Red Sox. It, lo, Lopes, uh, not, not, not Lopes, not, not uh, who Roberts, Dave Roberts. Dave, oh my goodness, yeah. That, that thing, everybody knew it was going to happen. You wanted it to happen. You saw it happen. Yep. And it worked. Uh, I just got a chill, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> and I didn't even watch that game live. I admit. Uh, Begrudgingly, I was so crushed that the Red Sox were down three nothing. I was yep. like, "Forget, it, I'm not going to watch. I don't want to see the funeral. I'll check back in if they get back into it." Sure enough, they did. But if there was ever a moment where it, that's what's the the amazing and both amazing and cruel thing about sports is how it's a game of inches. If he hesitates a little bit more, if he uh, you know doesn't dive perfectly into that base, then we're dead. The, the, you know, it's over, and the and the course of history is rewritten. Really, if if, right. if Scott Nor to six inches to the right, then he's a hero. But any stolen base, if you're really watching the game and you see the person take off, it's an excitement. It is, you do. Right. You get excited. You're right. He's going. He's yeah. going. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Uh, Wally the Green Monster. Overrated? Uh, underrated? Overrated. <laughs>
<laughs> that was obvious, I guess. Although I'll give Wally credit, he's hung in there over he the has years. Yeah, hung in there. The first, the, you'll, you might recall, the first time they brought him out they, um, amid much fanfare and confusion, the PA announcer says, we want to introduce someone who's been around for a long time. He's been in the wall, but we're going to let him out. It's Wally the Green Monster. This <laughs> grotesque, green-headed beast comes out. And people, I think half the stadium were confused. The other half were booing. And poor Wally gets booed off the field. The only reason he, he stuck around is because Jerry Remy and I want to say Sean McDonough at the time, they had a little uh, souvenir uh, plush Wally that they used to put in weird positions, you know, in the booth, and it became a, a, a funny thing. All right. Um, extra innings. Uh, overrated, underrated. Or properly rated. Do you like a marathon game? No. <laughs> uh, so I guess properly rated to, yeah. to a point, maybe up to 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think, although... Um, there doesn't seem to be a. There, there's some talk of changing the extra innings rule, uh, and I forget what le- if a league actually tried this or not. But um, the the rule would be that each team begins with a runner on second base. I think something like that because they want to avoid the 30 inning game. Now it rarely happens, but when it happens, right. it's like. Ugh. And games are long enough as it as it is. Right. I think that's the issue. But I, I don't think I'd like to see any changes. I mean, when they happen, they happen. Right. Um, and there's some strategy there, especially if you've already, you know, replaced players and, and the like. Yeah. I mean, they can be cool. Like a 12-inning classic game. Yeah. Like, you know, game six. It ends, ends with a walk-off. Man, everybody loves that. Everybody loves that. That's right. Uh, take me out to the ball game. The the ditty. Is it is it overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly. Properly, okay. Sweet. Can't, can't have it without it. Sweet Caroline, properly. Yep. Maybe even underrated, depending. Whoa, okay. That's a bold take. A lot of people are sick of Sweet Caroline. Well, you're sick if you only go to Fenway games. If you go to another park, yep. you're waiting to hear Sweet Caroline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's like the kid who grows up beneath the train tracks and hates it, but then when he moves away, he misses those trains. Some of the best uh, things, if you get somebody that comes to Fenway for the first time, especially from the West Coast, Mm-hmm. They won't leave the game until they hear it. Yeah. They, they want to hear it. See, I, I like it because I, I don't know for sure, but I think it it developed, organ- not completely organically, but obviously somebody pushed the button to play Sweet Caroline. But I think they, they started playing it at a certain inning, not necessarily thinking that it would catch on as a tradition and that people would sing along. That's the way I like to remember it. I don't know if that's really the truth. I liken it, and so that's why I will still stick up for Sweet Caroline. I liken it to the old days in Foxborough Stadium. They had, um, well, Schaefer Stadium at the time when I used to go in the late 70s with my parents. And they had this, you know, uh, PA system laden with distortion, and it's, it sounded like... Um, the world's largest transistor radio <laughs> and they only had a collection of songs like from the 60s that they would put on but um, someone developed a habit of after the Patriots scoring they put on Money Money by Tommy James and the Shondells right so you did and they noticed people started dancing because the Patriots had just scored you know every once in a while it did happen we had Steve Brogan you know and that became like a cool organic uh, tradition um, all right, let's do two more, or maybe uh, the movie Major League. Uh, underrated, overrated, or properly rated? Hmm. It's either under or, or properly. Okay. Um, You're a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. 
it's probably one of the best worst movies ever. Yep. It's exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. Because it has so many great moments and you know, as and a baby, so many stupid moments. So many yeah. stupid moments. It's got Bob Euchre. Um, you know, the you could nitpick it all day. Like Corbin Burnson didn't really look like a baseball player. <laughs> you know, Tom Berger was probably too old. And the, the and you know, the it, it, it went for the baseball trope that seems to seep into so many baseball movies. The owner wants the team to lose, you know, so she's like taking away all the resources and everything. But um, it's worth it for that scene of uh, Willie Mays Hayes trying to steal his first base yeah. and coming up like six inches <laughs> too short because it, every once in a while a player will actually do that. I was like, oh boy, he pulled a Willie Mays Hayes. Um, the Detroit Tigers uniforms. Overrated, Ooh. underrated, or properly rated? Ooh. Um, now Frank is a is a Tigers fan. I, I I'm going to expose him as such, but I guess um, I got to say just properly. I don't really have a. a you love opinion. the team, but the the uniform is not necessarily. I like the old the old style. The old style. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as as a Sox fan. When I see a Red Sox uniform, it it, it uh, you know stokes my passion, and I'm very happy. But Red Sox uniforms, I wouldn't put in the top you know ten all time. Right. And I and I have to admit with with mixed emotions that the Yankees have to be up there. They have like, to absolutely the like pinstripes. Yeah. And I used to. That's why I like the old Tiger one with just the D. I mean, yeah, it's great. Those are nice. Those are nice. Some player who recently joined the Yankees said, "When you put the Yankees pinstripes on." It's like you become immortal. To which I say, uh, tell the family of Thurman Munson. No, oh, bad joke. Terrible. Too soon? It's been like 30 <laughs> years or 40 years or something. Uh, last one. Last one. Let me pick a good one here. Um, all right. Well, that, I don't know if this is a good one to end on, but that the one game wild card playoff that the Major League Baseball has recently instituted, in recent years anyways. You know what I'm talking about? So when the playoffs start, there's two teams uh, uh, play a win-or-go-home game. Do you like that? Overrated, underrated, properly rated? Uh, I think properly. I like that. Properly? Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of drama in those games. There, there have been some good ones. Yep. I like the ones where the Yankees lose. That's what I like. <laughs> Here's a good one to end on. Cracker Jacks. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I think if you uh, if you've grown up with them, they're underrated. You yeah. gotta have some occasionally. Can't do it all the time. It's yeah. not like a Fenway Frank where you have one every time you go to the game. Right, you're right. You can't because, I mean, they don't taste that good. They sort of have their moments. Like if you if you catch a good part with the combo of the peanut and the caramel, but they're kind of empty and, <laughs> and you're, too you're, sugary. And... Your dentist will love you oh, because yeah. you'll be a frequent flyer. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, happy baseball season, Frank. I hope you had fun. I did. Still pulling, for, still pulling for the Tigers. I am. Well, yeah. and the Sox, and and the Sox, of course. So we got to do a game. Let's let's yes. uh, between the two of us. We'll. Uh, I will be happy to to treat you, and uh, maybe I'll grab my dad, the great Saul. Yes, oh, he's, man. he's still doing the baseball thing. If you've thing. never had an experience with Saul, it's a fantastic. Uh, um, uh, Experience, Mr. especially baseball. Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. My dad. Shout out to you, dad. And you know what? What's funny? This song that I'm playing to take us out is called Solomon. And it's uh, lead singer Adam Yaz, my brother. Yaz's are wild. Anyway, Frank Rudowitz, um, he's awesome. I think we've established that. Find him at Bloom Shapiro. Website's bloomshapiro.com. Is that right? That's it. B L U M Shapiro.com. Um, 
He's my friend, and he could be your friend, too. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Find all past episodes at pod617.com. We're the Boston Podcast Network. Studios in Westwood, Mass. You can have your own podcast if you would like one. Let's talk. Go to pod617.com for all the details. Play ball, everybody. Enjoy your day, Boston. <laughs>